Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. I love when people see stuff and stuff about the pelvic floor, I should say, and they send it to me. I think it's so cool. I love that like when pelvic floor stuff gets brought up, I'm like top of mind for some people. I think that's super, super powerful. So if you're one of those people, I just want to take the time out to thank you um, because you sometimes like doing things on your own and being a solo business owner can be really lonely. And like sometimes I sit there and I'm like, Am I even making an impact on anyone? And it gets to be a really trying period because you're literally like relying on yourself and sometimes you don't think you're making as big of an impact as you'd like, but then it's reinforced when people start sending you things and are thinking of you and dropping you lines. So if that is you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart it really means a lot and really keeps me going. And in that vein, I had a friend of mine send me a a public health article. So it was an article, I forgot who had published it, but it was all about the pelvic floor and how important it is and how important it is to pay attention to what's going on with it, especially postpartum. But like in general, it's so important. I'm like, this is amazing. This is great. And while the article was amazing and it was advocating for pelvic health rehab rehab specialists like PTs, OTs, it there was one spot in that article that I just could not get over and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I was like, I need to make a podcast episode about this because while the article was great, it was still misleading. And What I mean when I say that is this one little, and you're going to all be like, oh my God, she's such a stickler, but like with stuff like this, because words matter so much, yeah, I'm going to be a stickler about this because I also feel like it's very fear-mongering. It can be confusing for people. And once you have a fear-based mindset around certain activities, especially if those activities are supposedly affecting your physical well-being and what's happening to you physically, It's a very big hurdle to overcome. So I really want to bust this myth in that, especially this article, and this is perpetuated in medicine with MDs, OBGYNs, physical therapists who don't know any better, and everybody in between. It's this idea that if you do things often like high impact exercise, high intensity exercise, heavy lifting exercises, 
it will contribute to straining and compensating the muscles of the pelvic floor. And it will set you up for stuff like um, incontinence, leaking, pain, prolapse, everything. And I really want to bust that myth today because I feel like it's damaging and we need some more context behind this. The first thing I think of immediately is like, if we're saying high impact, high intensity, heavy lifting, what is that? Like what types of exercises are those? It's super subjective and I can extrapolate what I define as one of those exercises or examples of those types of exercises, but I also feel like it's very murky. Everybody's definition is going to be different. So when I interpret things like high impact for one, that I think of as jumping, running, anything where there is, you're landing on your feet. So it's very momentous. You're basically like jumping for lack of a better word, like plyometric stuff. That's what I think of high impact as. Um, High intensity, I honestly don't know what that is because it's very different for everyone. So for me, if I'm doing a step workout and I'm just using like, say like a step with two risers, now I sound like I'm in the 1990s. (laughs) Um, If I'm doing a step workout and I'm using two risers on my step, that's high impact to me. For someone else, that might not be so high impact. Back when I used to do step, I actually do really do love step, but since COVID happened and I live on the second floor of my apartment, it's really not apartment friendly and I haven't done it in a while. So I probably couldn't even do a step workout with two risers. But back in the day, I was able to do step workouts with two, three risers and I was like, that was pretty hard, but whatever. And now... If I even think about doing a step workout with one riser, to be honest, to be completely transparent and honest, that for me would be a high intensity workout, okay? It's very quick movement. So one of the things I'm working on fitness wise is motor control with quick motions because my control is not the best and I really want to master that. So that's one of the things I'm working on right now. So anything where I have to change direction quickly, add moving parts like arms, whatever, that's going to be high intensity for me. It might not be for you. Uh, Like a power walk might be high intensity for somebody else. And you're sitting there like, well, I can run five miles. That's high intensity for me. So the whole idea of high intensity it's like what the fuck is that what the fuck do you mean so whatever so very subjective same with heavy lifting what does that mean my heavy lifting is not going to look like a power lifter's heavy lifting it's not even going to lift look like your heavy lifting so this is why one of the things that i really try to push on my finally floored participants is that it's very subjective, but that's okay. Things like, are you lifting heavy? Like, that's not a clear-cut definition, but we're going to define it in the case of you. What does it look like for you? What is a challenge for you? Super, super subjective. And I teach you how to do that inside of Finally Floored. But I think it's really important because we all think that we're either not doing enough or we're doing too much based on what these ideas are thrown out into the wind 
of what is high impact, high intensity, high, heavy lifting, like, but we have no idea what that is because it's different for everyone. So long-winded answer, when we're trying to define these terms, there's no clear-cut definition. It really depends on you. It depends on how your body is functioning. It depends on how your body is performing. Are there compensations? What do you look like? So blanket statements like these, like lifting heavy is going to cause pelvic floor dysfunction, I think is super, super dismissive and super negligent. And I don't like it. It's, it's just a lazy answer. It's a super lazy answer and I don't like it. Let's quickly define what the role of the pelvic floor is. So if you put your two hands, like cup your two hands and put them together so your pinkies are touching, palms are facing up, think of that as your pelvic floor. It's basically a supportive bowl. It supports your organs. It's part of your true core and everything that happens in your life affects the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor affects that activity. Your core, your true core is literally involved in everything you do. Okay. So when I say pelvic floor, I mean, I mean, when I say true core, I mean pelvic floor. I mean your lower back muscles, actually all of your deep back muscles, your deep abdominals and your diaphragm. When I refer to true core, that's what I mean. All of those structures work together. They have to, to be efficient. And that is what's going to solidify whether you might have a pelvic floor that's not performing the best or um, is performing too much. So it's taking up a lot of the slack. But the relationship of that pelvic floor to those three other structures of the true core plus how it's responding to when you're using and how you're using the rest of your body, that is going to be what determines whether you will encounter stuff like pain with sex, pelvic pain, leaking, constipation. That's going to be it. Not what exercises you do. Okay, so that's something I really want to drive home is that your performance of those exercises is what is going to kind of tell us what could potentially happen because we we don't have crystal balls, right? Your MD doesn't have a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. Nobody has a crystal ball. So we don't know what is going to happen down the line. You could be compensating out the wazoo through every CrossFit workout for 20 years and you might not have a pelvic floor dysfunction. You know what I mean? So I don't want, my main goal with this podcast episode is not to scare anyone out of doing things they love, but I want you to be more mindful when approaching doing heavier intensity workouts, but also not to be like, I can't do those anymore because I have prolapse. That's not correct. And if somebody is telling you, you're never going to be able to do your CrossFit workout again because you have pelvic organ prolapse postpartum. They're just lazy and have no idea what they're talking about. So while for now it might be advised to take a break from that and build up towards it, it's never a forever thing. So I, I always say that all the time. I'm like, this is your for now. It's not forever. Let's figure out how you we can get you to do that stuff again without feeling symptoms, without feeling pain, without leaking, without feeling like you have to wear 
your spanks and your black black leggings to the gym all the time. Let's figure it out. So back to, sorry about that rant. I get really passionate about this because I feel like a lot of people don't understand how this stuff works. And when they throw stuff out there that makes people fear their bodies and how they're using their bodies, it really is life sucking and energy draining. And it's so infuriating to me. And I just want to squash all of that. But anyway, so back to the pelvic floor being the supportive bowl. It's holding your bladder, your uterus, if you have one, your rectum, and there's nerves in there, there's ligaments, there's muscles, obviously, and those work to help support you. When you're doing things like high impact, so jumping, tumbling, whatever, it... They say like when I was learning this in my continuing ed course, they say it makes the bladder unstable. I'm not a big fan of the word unstable, but (laughs) your bladder is pretty much moving around in there and your pelvic floor has to work to support that organ. That's one of its jobs. So if if your pelvic floor is not the most supportive, over time, if you keep doing your tumbling, if you keep doing your jumping, if you keep doing your running, if you keep doing those high intensity, high impact, exercises on a pelvic floor that's not the most efficient, meaning it might not be the strongest, it might not be the most flexible, it might not have the best endurance, that is why you might experience pelvic floor dysfunction or signs of pelvic floor dysfunction. Not the exercise. I love to drive home the point that there's no such thing as a bad exercise, just bad exercise execution. If you're trying to ask a muscle group to perform for you that you're not really sure how to get going, how like you don't really know what to look for in regard to like, is it performing well? Does it need some TLC? Do I need some help with this? If you're not, if you're unsure of how to do that, that's where the issues can lie. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. The other thing with lifting. So again, pelvic floor, super supportive. It needs to support all of those organs. It's part of your core. It's working all the time with everything you do. One of those things is something we do every day that we need in order to live, which is breathe. So your diaphragm is your predominant muscle involved in breathing. Your pelvic floor and your diaphragm work super, super closely together. What a lot of people will do, and I was talking to somebody on Friday about this, and um, I was like, yeah, like almost every single one of my private clients does not breathe when they pick stuff up or when they do something taxing for their body. Um, The main things I could think of is lifting your child, lifting a dog, lifting something at BJ's, lifting something overhead, even reaching overhead a lot of us will hold our breath as a compensatory pattern. So what does this do? When you're holding your breath, it puts a lot of pressure in your abdominal cavity, okay? That sense sense of pressure, it's kind of like a false sense of stability. It's kind of like a piece of gum. Like if there's a leak in a dam and you put the piece of gum there, it's working for now, but eventually the floodgates are going to open and it's just going to be a disaster. Again, not to catastrophize, but that's the analogy that popped into my head. So 
when you are holding your breath and you have that full sense of stability, I call it a full sense of stability because your core feels really secure. You feel good. You're like, I could lift up a lot of weight with this. But your true core, your back muscles, your abs, your pelvic floor, and your diaphragm are not working optimally. They're actually not really doing much. That false sense of breath, that false sense of stability, that is what's doing the work. Coupled with that, so now your pelvic floor is really not part of the group project. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to take a vacation and let these let these idiots do all my work for me. Your pelvic floor is not doing much. So that pressure is now weighing on a pelvic floor that is not doing the best job. This over time is what could potentially lead to pelvic floor dysfunction. So again, it's not the heavy weight lifting that's the problem. It's how you're responding to the heavy weight lifting, putting up that heavy amount of weight that could be an issue. And I do know that those, I don't lift competitively, but those of you who might, Valsalva is one of these things that are taught so that you could put up a higher amount of weight, right? Which, and people are like, does that mean I have to stop competing? No. (laughs) In my opinion, no. I'm not going to take that away from you. What you have to learn is when you're not competing, when you're not training for that, you have to learn how to incorporate that true core and use your breath to your advantage so that those muscles, those body parts, those structures learn how to work as a group again instead of just working independently or putting all the brunt of the project on somebody else. So in all honesty, I really feel that every person who works out and pushes themselves during a workout should see a pelvic floor physical therapist or pelvic floor occupational therapist. I really think that because like we have, we own these bodies, we own this part of our bodies and we have no idea how they work. And then we're taught to fear them. So we're taking something unknown and then we're taking other people's advice who don't, who also don't know anything about this, like muscle performance, like And then we're running with it and we're like, oh my God, I can't live my life. Oh my God, my body turned to shit after I had a baby. Oh my God, my body turned to shit after I turned 40. Like it just puts you in this emotional jail, so to speak, because you're like, I can't escape and live my life freely the way I want to. And it's really unfortunate. This is also why especially so I feel like everyone who pees poops and farts and works out should see a pelvic floor specialist but on top of that I really think that everybody who has had a baby whether that be c-section or or vaginal delivery should absolutely be consulting a pelvic floor specialist six weeks postpartum not even a question not even a fucking question because those muscles again like So you're going for your six-week checkup, right? Your OBGYN, who is great. This is not an opportunity to shit on OBGYNs or MDs or anything, but it is a cautionary tale. They don't know anything about exercise prescription, exercises, pelvic muscular function, pelvic muscular performance. They don't know how to program for that. They don't know how to assess it. That's not their job. 
It's not. Their job is to make sure everything looks good, you're healing well, and you can take on more vigorous activity other than gentle yoga, walking, and that stuff at six weeks. It's unfortunate that they don't automatically refer or educate you on what a pelvic floor PT does or pelvic floor OT does and how they can help you and you're kind of just like released into the wild to fend for yourself. I think that's unfortunate, but it is not their job to assess your muscular performance and program your exercises because that's just not what their training is in. That's what my training is in. (laughs) That's why I went to school for three additional years to get my doctorate. So um, I think that's a super important point. The other important important point is that when you are released after six weeks to do all the things and go back to working out regularly and go back to doing what you were doing before um, you had to take a break from that more vigorous stuff, your body is totally different. You just had a baby. Like there's so much change that happened And even if you've had a C-section, there's still so much change that happened to your abdominals, which as we learned in the beginning of this episode, affect the pelvic floor and vice versa. So even if you did not have a vaginal delivery, it doesn't mean that your pelvic floor is not involved. Even if you did not have a C-section, it does not mean that your abdominals are not involved. It's all involved. Remember those four structures of the true core. They're meant to work together optimally, efficiently, so that not one person is taking on the brunt of the group work. We want them all working efficiently. So when you're given the green light and you go back to CrossFit and you're doing those these momentous move or yeah movements, these momentous exercises, you're putting up weight overhead. It's not bad. It's just probably not optimal if you are not in touch with those deep core, those true core structures, if you're not working on them, like you would never tear your ACL and then six weeks after rehab or not rehab, but repair or healing or whatever, you would never go run a marathon. That's what you're doing when you go back to doing vigorous workouts six weeks postpartum without rehabbing your true core. And I will stand on this hill until the day that I die and really, really continue to perpetuate that because it's super unfortunate that this is not a regular, like we don't think of this for our postpartum people and it's really, it really sucks. But that's, that could be why you are having stuff like prolapse and you are leaking and you are with running and you are having pain when, I don't know, you're doing your step workout. Do any of you actually do step anymore? I'd really like to know. Please let me know. Please email me or tag me on Instagram because I'd really like to know. I don't know why I have step on the brain. So long story short, certain types of exercises are not going to set you up for pelvic floor dysfunction. They're not like nobody has a crystal ball in front of them. I can't predict your your future. Your MD can't predict your future. Your OBGYN cannot. And I really wish that entities and people who have no background in exercise programming, I really wish they would stop giving out false info like this because it's super outdated. It's um, 
they're kind of like venturing into a realm in which they're not very well versed. Again, that's my job. That's what I went to school for. This is what I do for a living. Your OBGYN does not and they shouldn't be expected to. So um, you are your own advocate. Please advocate for yourself instead of sitting there and being like, well, my life's over because I don't, I can't do my deadlifts anymore because weightlifting is bad and it's going to make my vagina ruined. That's not the case. It's so far from the truth. It's not even funny. It doesn't matter what your lifestyle looks like, whether you've had kids or not, how old you are. It doesn't matter. If you're working with the right person who is well-versed in this, who does know about exercise, who does know about exercise programming, who does understand how the pelvic floor works, that's what's going to be key for getting you to get back into doing the things that you love. Because this shit is not a life sentence. Pelvic floor issues are not a life sentence. It just seems that way because not a lot of people understand how this stuff works. And it blows my mind that in 2022, we are still sitting here and we still don't have very good answers for how to help people who either want to prevent pelvic floor issues from happening down the line or who want to have their pelvic floor issues figured out and fixed. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm on my crusade to help all of you kind of understand how to start thinking about yourself and putting yourself first. And the myth busting is one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons why I did create Finally Floored. So in Finally Floored, I think it's really important for women and people with vaginas to understand how to move heavier loads We're lifting things, we're doing things all day long. The laundry, shopping, carrying shit up the stairs all day long. So you better believe it that over time, if you are compensating during stuff like that, your muscles are going to feel it. And this is not to scare you. It's just to get you thinking about how you go about living your everyday life. So part of the training inside Finally Floored is learning how to lift. It is learning how to lift for what works for your body. So I'm not going to be like, everybody needs to grab a 20,000 pound barbell and push it over their head. No, (laughs) you learn how to decipher what is challenging for you and all of that inside the program. Because again, like I just want to bust these fucking myths. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of people being made to fear their bodies instead of use them in ways that they will be using them for their entire lives. Neglecting how to do that and how to build up to that and how to work on stuff like that, that is why you feel like your body has turned into a pile of shit. Your body hasn't turned into a pile of shit. It just might need a little bit of TLC. So that's why part of why I created Finally Floored. I have I'm still working on, this will be the third class, I should say, the third cohort, and I'm super excited. I still haven't figured out when it's going to come out. I'm thinking sometime in April of this year, 2022. So if you are interested and you want to learn more about that program, I'm going to drop the wait list sign up in the show notes below. If you're on there, you are not obligated to buy anything. You'll just get emails as more information about the program is released and you get a discount too. So if that's of interest to you and you're kind of like, what the fuck is this finally floored thing about? (laughs) 
definitely grab your spot on the wait list. If you're listening to this and you're like, I always thought that lifting weights was bad. I want to see your ass on that wait list. I'm not even joking. I want to see your ass on that wait list because this, these are skills that will carry you well into the later years of your life so that you stop feeling like your body has turned into a pile of shit. You stop feeling broken and you feel strong as fuck and accomplished as fuck and like you could take on the entire fucking world. That's my goal. And I hope you learned something today. I hope that that sheds some light on the fact that, yes, you can still do hard shit, even though you're leaking, even though you have prolapse, even though, I don't know, you're having pain. It doesn't mean, and I'm not even saying like you have to wait until after you had a surgery to do all those things, because that's another thing. Like (laughs) surgeons, MDs, they make money off surgeries, people. They also don't know what we do as rehab professionals in this realm. So the only thing they know is surgery as a quick fix. But I actually had this conversation with someone last week. If your sur- So your surgery might fix what's aesthetically going on, I guess you could say. It's not fixing the problem. The problem is your pelvic floor cannot relax. Your pelvic floor is not the strongest. Your pelvic floor does not have the best endurance. Your abs don't have the best strength, endurance, motor control. You're holding your breath with everything. Whatever the reason is, the surgery is not going to fix any of that. It's going to put a band-aid. Think about the dam example. It's putting a little band-aid on a leak in the dam. That's all it's doing. Surface level bullshit. Even if you have a surgery, and this is not to shame those of you who have decided to go for surgery, even if you have a surgery, you still have to get to those underlying issues. You still do. Because the surgery itself, over time, is not going to fix shit if you haven't fixed the stuff that could have potentially led to that point of getting surgery. I hope that makes sense. Um, I'm really passionate about this stuff. I really love it. I really love talking about it and educating all of you. So I hope you learned something. Um, if you can drop a review, that would be really helpful for me. It does not have to be a five-star review, but the more people who review and subscribe to this podcast, the more the word gets out about the importance of pelvic health and the importance of being a self-advocate and caring for yourself and all that good stuff. Um, it just helps really get this podcast out and push it out to those who may need it. So thank you in advance for doing that. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode because the spice will keep on coming. I get very salty about stuff. If you're a listener, you would know that. And I think that's all we got for today. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to hang out with me. And I will see you on the next episode of Finally Fearless.